Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. My name is Cindy Grind. I'm the medical school chair for Zucker Northwell School of Medicine, and I'm the academic chair for Northwell Health System. I'm also the incoming president of Sky, the Society of Cardiac Angiography and Intervention. I'm unusual in that I really never wanted to be a physician. I grew up in this era where women did not do those kind of things. So I went to college and I took very difficult courses because I thought that they were interesting. It turns out that many of those courses were pre-med. I ended up getting better grades than most of the pre-med students and actually were those guys in my classes who convinced me that I should apply for medical school. Well, cardiology has a number of advantages. First of all, I think the patients are very kind and gracious and appreciative of what you do. Cardiology is very interesting. It's logical, physiologically based. And so you can reason your way through certain diagnoses and treatments. And the other huge advantage is that there are breakthroughs that are occurring on a daily basis. And so a cardiologist will never get bored. Well, when I finished my internal medicine training, I actually thought I wanted to be an echocardiographer because that's all I knew at the time. And then when I went to the University of Michigan for my fellowship, it was on the cusp of the primary PCI, thrombolytics, taking those patients to the cath lab acutely. And it was just a very exciting uh, time. And so I completely did an about face and became an interventional cardiologist. So I'm Dr. Katherine Kells. I go by Kathy, so I'm Kathy Kells to most. And I am a professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at Dalhousie University, which is in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. I am an interventional cardiologist. I also trained in transplant cardiology as well. And I am past chief of cardiology here at my institution. I served as chief of cardiology for eight years, and then I stepped down from that position two years ago to take over as the president of the Canadian Cardiovascular Society. I grew up in a blue-collar family and always really wanted to be a doctor as far back as I can remember. I did my grade nine science project on the heart. However, I didn't know anyone who was a physician, either in my family or in my community, so I thought it was not a possibility. I really hadn't thought too much about it. I was basically looking at alternative careers that were related, like nursing and other opportunities, as I was in high school until I was in grade 11. and. Essentially, a friend of mine's older brother was admitted to medical school when I was in grade 11. And so as soon as I found out that a boy who I grew up with from the same neighborhood who was a real person was admitted to medical school, and in my humble opinion as a grade 11 student, I didn't think that he was any smarter than I was, or, and I knew for a fact he wasn't any richer than I was, same uh, uh, background then I actually uh, realized it could be a reality and so I started investigating what you need to do to get to medical school and then work backwards to make sure that I could get there in the fastest way possible and it worked. So my name is Mary Noreen Walsh and I am the medical director of the heart failure and cardiac transplantation program at St. Vincent Heart Center in Indianapolis and I'm the immediate past president of the American College of Cardiology. 
I was hospitalized when I was seven years old with asthma and pneumonia. And at that time, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. And that goal stayed with me through almost through high school. But it was high school biology and some other experiences that made me think about medicine. And then I worked as a nurse's aide through high school and early college. Once I was working in a community hospital emergency department, and I saw what the physicians did, whom I worked with, I really decided that medicine was what I wanted to go for. I was initially going to double board in internal medicine and emergency medicine. That was kind of my initial goal. Again, at the hospitals I'd worked at, I'd seen a couple of physicians who were going to be double boarded, and that seemed pretty exciting to me. But during my third year of medical school, I worked with the cardiologist at the VA hospital in Minneapolis, part of the University of Minnesota program, and they were just outstanding individuals and I realized how much I like cardiology. So I knew one woman fellow when I was a medical student whom I interacted with and I enjoyed getting to know her. And then when I was a resident at UT Southwestern in medicine, the first woman who started on the UT Southwestern faculty in cardiology, who is Ann Taylor, began when I was a junior resident. And having her arrive and start on the cardiology faculty had made a really big difference in my life because I really could see that she was a role model to me and she also was a single mother of an adopted baby at that time and I really could see that cardiology could be something I could do. I think that from day one there are very few women in adult cardiology and so the fact that I went into interventional did not really make any difference in that regard because there were so few women all around. I think that it, that goes back to even medical school. So uh, when I was a, a medical student around in the coronary care unit, I had a very difficult attending. They had very high expectations. And so what I would do is I would be in the intensive care unit, taking care of patients, and I would stay up all night reading. And I knew everything about the cases. And so in rounds the next day, he would go around and ask the resident a question, they couldn't answer. They'd ask the intern a question, couldn't answer. They asked me the question, and I could answer it. And it was like, at that point, I realized that I really can't do it. I can't even imagine doing anything other than cardiology and specifically interventional cardiology. I think that you just provide so much to the patient. You know, we're saving lives by doing primary angioplasty. I'm still taking call and doing those acute MI interventions. And again, the patients are so grateful for what we can do. There's a lot of competition with regard to case volume. And so uh, it's very difficult to try to uh, do it all. So you would have to go out and try to get referring physicians. You have to try to maintain your volume. You have to make yourself available. 24 hours a day if you really want to have a big clinical volume. And that's something that most uh, females are not willing to do. Whereas if you work in an academic program where it's more scheduled and you have a particular day in the lab, then it becomes very easy to have a practice in interventional cardiology. When I went to medical school, I found, I found the cardiovascular anatomy physiology block the most interesting to me, but also the most straightforward and easy to understand part of medicine because it's a simple pump. You have an input, a pump, and an output, and the symptomatology, the physical exam, and the actual anatomy and physiology make perfect sense. Essentially, you don't even have to memorize anything. You just can think of it as a pump, realize that this part of the pump is broken, this is what's going to happen, 
Therefore, you're going to find these physical findings and the patient's going to complain of these specific symptoms. And so it just was the most logical, rational part of all of medicine to me. And, and so that appealed to me. And that combined with the art of medicine, the physical exam and the ability to make diagnoses through your stethoscope alone was all part of the my magical vision of what a doctor should be, which probably hails back to what I imagined when I was a kid thinking about that. My intervention was new when I was training. Uh, there were only two interventionals at my center, and we only had an interventional program for a few years when I first came to cardiology. And so it was brand new, and it was exciting, and it was the technology was amazing. It turned out that I was naturally good at doing things with my hands, and so I just thought it was great. I was attracted to it right away, and I wanted to do it. I had great teachers and mentors who said, hey, you're good at this, you should do it. So I did. Part of it was just, you know, blind enthusiasm and naivety. In the mid-80s, no one had any idea where interventional cardiology would go. Although it was not an area in which there were any women, hardly. Oh, in Canada, I don't think there were any women interventionalists at the time I started. Maybe one or two, but I, I didn't know them. But that part just didn't occur to me. It was an emerging specialty anyway, and there were only a few in the country. And I just thought it was really fun and really rewarding and really interesting and wanted to be part of it. Cardiology, to me, is a specialty of acute care. People who are gravely ill, for whom you can do a great deal to change the course of their lives by helping them. When I was in internal medicine, I really wanted to deal with acute illness rather than as much chronic illness, which is kind of interesting because as a heart failure specialist, I do take care of a lot of patients who have chronic illness now. But to be honest, then say that the lethal nature of cardiac disease was really appealing. And then that's what drew me. I also realized that I preferred being a subspecialist to a generalist, and I think that's an important distinction when, when you talk to younger people who are trying to decide. If you're in family medicine or internal medicine, any kind of primary care, you really know some about a lot of things, and the more you subspecialize, you know a lot about a more narrow area, and that began to appeal to me too. I think the same things that attract us probably are the challenges. The acuity of illness means that you make decisions rapidly and you have to make them rapidly, make determinations about how you're going to deliver medical therapy or device therapy or, or intervention, depending on what you do. We also have a fairly heavy intensive care and call burden because of the acuity of illness. And so throughout our careers, we're not in a field where we close up shop at five o'clock. It's a very intense field and one of us has to be on call all the time. We can't not be in the hospital. So I think those are challenges throughout our careers with regard to how we want to balance the other things we want to do in our lives. There's a lot of supposition in this area and I think we got to continue to survey people who are making the decisions before we assume that, that it's all a work-life balance that has shown that we don't have as many women in our field. Well, I would hope that there would be some better science on radiation safety. I think there are a lot of women who are afraid of interventional cardiology or just cardiology in general because of the radiation. Well, that's a societal fear. And actually the data that are currently available really don't show any detectable radiation underneath your lead apron. So I think if we could do a large scale study on this, and that would be particularly helpful 
in terms of reassuring the women who want to go into cardiology. And then the second big thing is the issue of being available 24-7 to take patient calls and referring physician calls. I think that we really need to move toward an emergency room model where we have shifts and women and men of this generation actually are really gravitating towards shift work. And if we could accomplish that in cardiology, I think that we would have a much better chance of having more women enter the field. I think the biggest stumbling block actually will probably be the pay issue because if you're going to have dedicated shifts where you're working fewer hours, we're going to have less pay. I ultimately wish for the future is, and I have two daughters and a son, that every young person gets to pursue their dream and do it no matter whether they're male, female, short, tall, white, black, green, it doesn't matter. That's what would be great in the end. I don't have a magic solution as to how we get to that point because there's so many obstacles and the obstacles are different for different groups. I think many of the things that have been tried in the past have had some limited success and some unintended backwards consequences as well. I remember when I actually was hired as a staff cardiologist here, I actually had people say to me, oh, the only reason you got the job is because of affirmative action and they had to take you because you were a woman, which just irritated the living daylights out of me because I believed and hoped that the only reason I got the job is that I actually was the best person for the job. Programs like affirmative action that tried to push the agenda forward for women in medicine as well as multiple other areas and professions actually in some cases reflected uh, poorly on women because they were felt that they were given the job when they didn't really deserve it. How you get around that and still push the minority groups into areas that have been traditionally male-dominated, I actually don't know the answer to. I wish I did know the answer. Because in medicine, much more so than some other professions, there very much is at the higher levels of leadership a well-intentioned but rather pathetic process for picking members of panels and members of editorial boards and members to speak on the stage at this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and the leadership tends to pick the people that they know well. They tend to pick their friends and their colleagues and the people they know that will do an excellent job. And they just don't know any women. There is no doubt that the current life of an interventional cardiologist in Western medicine is a terrible, terrible work-life balance in most major institutions. And if you are the mother of two young kids, even if you have a partner that is, uh, say a partner is a full-time stay-at-home parent, it still doesn't make it easy because no mother wants to miss anything to do with their kids. And truthfully, the new young male physicians don't want to miss stuff either. So maybe you really ought to be looking at the profession as a whole and making it a more palatable profession for all young people. The other thing that I think women need to recognize is that you do need to make choices and whether you're a man, woman, like I said, tall, short, what doesn't matter. You do not rise to the level of professorship, chief, director, president. You don't get any of those things without working extremely hard and well above and beyond coming to work every day and going home at five o'clock. Professorship and directorships and uh, chief positions and president positions are not awarded lightly 
and they do recognize going above and beyond. And if you choose, no matter who you are, if you choose to go home at four o'clock or five o'clock every day to be with your family, whoever you are, you should not be surprised that you don't get those positions. You know, for the number of percentages of women going into cardiology has been flat for the last six years before this year, but we saw an uptick for the first time this year. We were at 21% fellows in training for the last six years, and then this year it went up to 23%. So I think that's a hopeful sign, and I, I think we will see the numbers of women in medical school translate in 10 years to more women in cardiology. And I also think that the way we do our work is going to change dramatically. Firstly, we are going to shift hard towards a value-based system rather than a volume-based system. And so people are going to be paid differently. I think that will have an impact on the specialties we select. And the second big change, aside from this volume-to-value shift, is that I think inpatient cardiovascular medicine is going to be practiced like hospitalists and emergency medicine physicians do now, in that we'll have shift work. So that because of the interest of all younger people coming out of medical school now in issues of work-life balance, that I think there's going to be a lot of appeal to staff differently so that, you know, you're not going to work all day, be on call all night, and then expect to see a full clinic the next day, as has always been the tradition. So I think we're going to see some real shifting of the landscape in how we practice medicine. And it's my thought that that's going to make our field more appealing to women rather than less.